get started, I'm going to show a video. Um, please look past some of the bad acting in it, okay? It's a video that speaks volumes for what I'm talking about tonight as we're thinking about seeing like Jesus. Uh, Nikki's going to pull it up for us. Um, I think it's about three minutes or so, but we'll watch this together and then uh, I'll get started. Every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man, and someone needs to talk to his parents if they're ever at home. What is up with the traffic today? It's in always, every day, this intersection's always crowded. I hate pulling out of here. Let me see what these dumb roads. Oh, there's... Oh. <laughs> okay, so I'm not even here. Right. Great lady. The princess of parking. Oh, sure. Take the spot. Would it be considerate? Oh, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, it's about time. Let's see, what do I want? Uh, yeah, can I add a cookie to that order? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, no problem, only guy in the world. I'm sure you need your cookies. The world, your oyster, and he's serving your cookies. Thanks, Thank you so much. Uh-huh. What can I get for you? Uh, yeah, I'll tall decaf macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. The 385. And uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously, and thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Great for me. Waiting again. Unbelievable. supposed to do? How can I, how can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't, your copy, sir. Oh. I can't, I can't take this anymore. I gotta get out of here. Hey, what?
five. Sorry, the video quality was bad. You get the gist, right? Maybe. I want to read this before I get going. I've been told there's a big ball game tomorrow. Tommy, I'm a Tennessee fan, so Steve, we wouldn't know. Um, got a message today. If anybody wants tickets, this is what it says. Hey, my Bama fans, a friend of mine has two tickets for the 2018 championship game. Both are box seats. He paid $2,500 each. Comes with a ride to and from the airport, lunch, dinner, and a $400 refreshment credit. Post-game access to the winner's locker room. But he didn't realize last year when he bought them, it was going to be on the same day as his wedding. If you are interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. It's at St. Paul's Church in Wheeling at 3 p.m. Her name is Eileen. She's five foot four and 115 pounds, a good cook too, and she loves to fish and hunt, and she will wash your truck. I saw that today. It has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight, but thought that was funny. We got some Bama fans in the house, so I had to share it, okay? I want to talk tonight about seeing people the way Jesus does. And I know that video, it's hard to tell, but you could get the gist of, um, of what it's trying to say. Um, I want to look at a, a few things tonight and a few people, three people in particular in God's Word that Jesus responded to differently than probably me and you would. And we all come into contact with people every day. And um, I'll share this. Uh, it wasn't too long after me and Nicole got married, that I realized that she has terrible eyesight. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're like, all right, this makes sense, <laughs> right? Like, I wonder when she said yes, if she could see. But anyway, she's pretty loyal. But really, when she takes her glasses, contacts out, she cannot see. So all the time, I'll be watching a game or watching something and say, have you seen that? And she's like, I can't even see the TV. So I live with someone who really has a hard time with her vision. And so she almost has to put her, her eyes on at times to be able to see things. And I think spiritually for us, a lot of us need to put our, put, put our spiritual eyes on. And I want to talk about that. Um, I want to talk about that tonight. Helen Keller said that the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. It's possible that many of us are walking around today with perfect sight but no vision. And we are spiritually blind. And that's what I want to address tonight. Um, we all know, and, and I know a lot of you are shoppers in here. Some of y'all really like to look for deals, right? A lot of you women, like you just got done. You're waiting to save up some more money where you can look for deals again next year, right? Um, as I think about the way that Jesus sees us, um, I'm, I'm reminded of Romans chapter 5. Turn over there with me if you haven't already. The neat thing about the way Jesus looks at us, and I think if we're going to be like Christ, we're going to have to see like Christ, is that He sees us and, and knows us, and for some reason He still loves us. And, and I have a hard time with that concept. Um, Romans 5, starting in verse 6, says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare to die. But God shows His love for us in this, that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. As, as I begin talking tonight, I want to talk about um, the idea as we focus on us really being able to see people. 
the way that Jesus sees them. Not the way the world sees them, maybe not even the way that they see themselves, but truly the way that Jesus sees them. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for me because I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this. I see people the way probably the world sees them in a lot of times. And so I want to look tonight at a few of these examples. Um, What would it look like in our world if we had the eyes of Jesus? What would our churches be like? What would our families be like? What would every day be like if we woke up with the mindset of today? I want to view people. I want to see people. I want to see the worth in people the way that Jesus did. How would we treat our waitress at our favorite restaurant? The coworker that gets on our nerves. I don't know, Debbie. I was just thinking. I'm just kidding. No, the, the person who cuts us off in traffic. Uh, those difficult people in our life. What would happen if we saw them the way that Jesus saw them? Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus had a gift at doing the unexpected at times. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them. Now that sounds like oxymoronic almost. Like, you know, how many of y'all like, like, like crowds of people? How many of y'all like traffic? Right? I mean, we all go... It seems like when you live here, you have to go through Atlanta to get anywhere, you know? And we dread it. Right? We find another way around it. You get in those places... You know, I can wait over here at Cedar Pantry for a minute and a half and just lose my mind, right? What are we going to do? You know, people from a big city are like, are you kidding me? You know, I wait an hour. Um, but in, in, this, in this situation, Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 sees a crowd and He has compassion for them. All throughout His ministry, He did this. So many times when we see people, we just kind of want to get away. Um, Jesus wasn't that way. Keep on reading. Because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. I think that's a neat verse in that text right there. If you have a pen, I would underline it. Um, as we look at people... I think we should look at them as 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 the, as, the, as Jesus did, just like they were were sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." That's what EU is about. That's what this weekend's about. It's about training young people. It's about training us on on being able to evangelize. And I think as we look toward next weekend, one part of evangelism is being able to see people and see good. And, you know, I, I say this a lot. I know when I'm up here, but it's so depressing sometimes to turn on the news or even sometimes have conversations. I, I think as Christians, we've got to be the happiest people in the world. We've got the most joy in the world. There should be no Eeyores, as Carrie talked about. Every day should be good. Right? Even on the worst days. Man, Jesus showed us. Even on the worst days at Calvary, Right? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, if we want to be like Jesus, we're going to have to do like Jesus. And so many things that He did set the precedent for us on how He's going to respond. On His worst day, how does He respond? Well, He thinks about everybody else. If we're going to to be like Jesus, we're going to have to see people the way that Jesus sees them. I want to look at three different people quickly tonight that I think that a lot of us, me included, would have probably looked at very differently than Jesus did. Turn to John chapter 8. The woman caught in adultery. 
going to read this text, about 11 verses. Everybody turn there. John 8. Starting in verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, He came again to the temple. All the people came to Him, and He sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to Him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women, so what do you say? They've got a perfect trap set up for Jesus. Verse 6, Then they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. At once more... At once more he bent down and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they, were, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Now, I don't know how, you know, if you, if you put yourself and insert yourself in Scripture sometimes, it's kind of sobering, but I want, to, I want you to imagine being in a story. What would you do? What do you do every day? We're all faced with decisions every day, and we all know that we fall short so many different times, but I want you to imagine that you're Jesus in this scenario. Look, look what He does. Think about what you would do. Verse, verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I think a lot of times in the religious world today, you hear this story a lot of times, but you don't hear the ending on it. Because Jesus didn't say, I love you. You're good. Keep doing your thing. I mean, that, that wasn't said. I mean, he left her with go and sin no more, but he responded so differently. I wonder how many times in our life we play the role of judge and we condemn. And people, people just need a little grace sometimes, a little mercy, the same thing that we need. What if, what if while we were yet sinners, Christ, Christ stood up and said something very differently? We forgive because He forgave, and we also look at people the way He looks at us because He's commanded us to love others. And I think that's something to be, to be mindful of. So the first person in John, you know, we, we don't even know her name. We just know her sin. You know, and I think you may know of someone. I hope as we work through these three people tonight that Jesus responded to, that you think about three people in your life that maybe you've forgotten. Because I know, I know at times in my life, even as a minister, it's easy to say that person's not a candidate for Christ. Think about the Apostle Paul. Think about the people that God used to do things for His kingdom. Man, they were a lot of normal people just like you and me. And they messed up and they fell down. And so many times, I think we don't pick those people back up. So it's so important tonight as we just talk about this as a family. I think it's a great time to talk about it. Um, to, to talk about, you know, who are we forgetting? Maybe who, who have we said, you know what? They're not a candidate. I grew up with a guy, and I'll tell you this story real quickly. I didn't plan on doing it, but um, I never invited him to church because he just wasn't a church goer. Okay, whatever that means, right? He was, he wasn't someone that you would think. You know what? That guy'd be great in our youth group for whatever reason. It's just one of those things. And I remember going to Freed Hardeman, and um, for whatever reason, that young man came there too. Just showed up. And, uh, you know, at Freed, you sit through a lot of Bible classes. He learned a lot about Jesus. He was introduced to the church. So many different things. 
And I'll never forget the night that He called me and said, I want you to baptize me. And I just had to take a step back and say, are you, are you serious? I mean, I, he, this is the same guy that I wouldn't even invite to church that called me and said, hey, I want to become one of God's children. Church, I just want to talk about this because I guarantee you there's somebody in here maybe that feels this way. Maybe there's someone in your life that we have discounted that they need the Gospel, that they need Jesus. They need us to have those lens that Jesus has where we see them and we see the good and we love them and we encourage them. But in that same way that He did in this story, you know, I think Jesus ends it the right way and saying, hey, go sin no more. I think, that's what, I think that's what He'd say to a lot of us. I wonder how many conversions would happen if we quit playing the role as the judge and just focus on sowing the seed. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 7. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God that gives the growth. So many times in that scenario that I just told you, I was playing God. Um, so many times I think every day in our lives, um, we kind of we sideline God. Um, I think when we see like Jesus, we, we allow Him to be on our team. The second person tonight that I want to talk about, Luke chapter 19. Turn over there. Nobody's going to get mad if we get out of here early tonight, are you? Okay, we'll stay the whole time. All right. Luke 19, Jesus and Zacchaeus. I think a lot of Zacchaeus in our life, and I think we're missing them. Um, it's easy to look at someone and you think about their past or you think about where they've missed. Look, look, look at how Jesus responds to this tax collector. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. <laughs> if, it, if I had a verse in the Bible, it would not say that, right? He was rich. Maybe it would. He was seeking, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. You know, isn't that interesting that if I thought of a tax collector... When I think of a tax collector, I think of a rich person. I don't think of verse 3 there. I'm usually stuck on verse 2. And that's what makes Jesus Jesus and me a little incomplete in that. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. And you know, isn't it, isn't it neat to think about maybe that person that you work at with that you've never invited to church, that maybe they're, in a, they're in, in a battle, kind of like what we showed up here in that video. Maybe they are currently seeking for the Lord and they need someone to show them to Him. Someone to lead the way. Maybe someone to just nudge them a little bit. That happens every day. Continue reading. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Sounds like the story of my life in basketball, but I'll keep going. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I wonder what the narrative would sound like if they wrote our life story and the Zacchaeuses in our life that maybe have a past and maybe they've been a fraud. You know, what would you think? He's a liar. He's a fraud. I mean, what do we think when we see somebody on the road holding a sign up? We think a lot of things. 
Very, very seldom do we think, man, that person was created in the image of God and maybe, maybe they're seeking Jesus. And that's my prayer tonight as we talk about this. Maybe you would say he's a cheater, he's a liar, he's a thief. Jesus saw he was a sinner and he needed a Savior. And that day, one lunch appointment changed his eternity. I want to challenge you as you think about 2018, as you think about evangelism, as we think about filling the pews here, for us to really look at people differently. Third person I want to look at tonight is in John 21. Turn over there with me. Whether you know it, may have some women in here that are struggling, may have somebody who struggles with the same thing Zacchaeus does, or maybe they're just walking away from God. Um, I think there's probably some Peters in the room tonight too. Jesus and Peter's interaction to me is wonderful and it encourages me so much because I know me. Um, And I love to look at the apostles and I love to look at Bible characters because I know that God used them. He can use us. Um, Pick up reading uh, verse 15. Think about Jesus and Peter and all the things that they had done together, right? Um, all the things that they had done together, the miracles that they had seen, the time they had traveled. All right, Jesus calls him and says, Hey, I want, to, I want you to drop your nets. I want you to follow me. And Peter gives that in his life. Um, but in, in, this, in this scenario, um, Peter lets him down. When they had finished breaking bread, verse 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is where it's kind of hard because I kind of put myself in this story. But truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This, this he said to show him what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, Follow me. Alright, so this is after Jesus, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, Jesus comes back to reinstate Peter. Okay, and so, so backtrack a little bit. What has Peter just done to Jesus? He's denied him, right? And, and Jesus even gave him the warning, right? You're going to deny me three times. You know, I think if he told me and gave me the heads up, I'd be like, alright, I'm going to be on my A game. Peter didn't. He said, you're going to do it. He denied him. So Peter, I feel like Peter's lost. Um, I feel like there's probably a few Peters in this room tonight as you think about this story. Um, Jesus comes back and reinstates Peter in a, in a beautiful way in the end of this in John 21. And the last two words he says is, follow me. Um, Jesus could have said a lot of things. In my life, I think I would I'd want to say something different. Man, you betrayed me. You denied me. You dropped the ball from me. I told you you were going to do it. You were supposed to be one of my disciples. What's the deal? Jesus doesn't come back in that direction at all. It's the it's the polar opposite. Fast forward to the fast forward to the day of Pentecost, right? Who's preaching the sermon? Right? Who finishes strong? I, th- I think we don't have that. We don't see that side of, G- of Peter if Jesus doesn't have this conversation with him to say, "Hey, I want you to know that I love you, and I want you to follow me." 
Jesus never gave up, gave up on Peter. There's so many people in our lives that I think can fit any, any three of these people that maybe daily we come in contact with. Maybe they work with you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe you're one of these people that you've given up on yourself. And every time you look in the mirror, you just see a broken person. Maybe we all need to remember that Romans 5 and think about that, that in the right time, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We all have people in our lives that are struggling and that are lost. And I want to challenge you this year to see people the way Jesus sees them. What would our churches look like if we seriously had those lens on and we looked past maybe their baggage or maybe their past and we just saw them for who they were? A son, a daughter of the King, someone who Jesus died for, someone who Jesus loved someone who was made in God's image, what would it be like? As we think about evangelism tonight, I want us to, to truly think about and to pray about being able to look at people, look in their eyes, and see the way Jesus would want us to see them. I want to pray tonight as we think about this. Let's pray together. God, help us, help us to see people the way that You see them. God, I'm so thankful that You saw us and You looked past all the, all the bad in our lives, and that You saw something that was worth being bought. And Father, we know enough about ourselves to know it's so hard. The love that You had for us is so amazing. And I just pray that every day as we go through our lives that we will see people, that we will love people, and that we, we will truly see what Jesus wants us to see, that we can be that helping hand, that we can be that accountability, that we can be that friend, and that we can be that person that stands with them. I'm thankful for Your Word and how it convicts us and how it enters our heart and how um, it challenges us to be better. I pray in my own life to, to see people the way that, that You see them. And I pray for that for our church as we think about evangelism, as we think about Evangelism University that's coming up, as we think about this next year, that we can truly look out into Savannah and just see the good in people and to want to do something different and know that Maybe if that conversation doesn't happen, that people won't be able to spend eternity with You. And Father, we love You, and I just pray that You help us every day to be more like You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm glad you're here tonight. I hope in your own time this week you'll take a chance to take, take a look at this text. Take a look at these people. There's many more that you could look at of just people that Jesus interacted with that would have been so very different if it would have been us a lot of times. So many people that Jesus, that God chose to pick and chose to use wouldn't have been my picks. If I'm picking disciples, Bobby, I'm not picking a bunch of fishermen probably. I think there's a reason why He did. I think there's a reason why He picked the people that He did. God has put you in this place at this time to do something for Him. It's not just a youth conference that we do. Although EU is amazing. Some of you have probably already done your grocery shopping. And you're excited. My little girl is so excited about the group that's going to be staying with us. She prayed for them for about four months after they left. Um, and we're excited about seeing them again. But, you know, let's make, let's make evangelism not just something we do at the start of the year, but something that we do every day. And I think it can start by the way that we see and the way that we view people around us. If you're here tonight, you need the prayers of the church. If you've never put on the Lord in baptism and you want to make that right, we would love to stay tonight and be able to, to be able to rejoice with you in making that great decision. Whatever you need, come as we stand and sing together. My